Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 1 through 2a, and 14 through 18, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 10 through 20, the Gospel according to John, chapter 6, verse 56 through 69, and Psalm 34, verse 15 through 22. Open our minds, warm our hearts, but also bend our wills, for we seek to hear your word. Amen. Amen. More than a few years into my ministry as a priest in the Episcopal Church, a little boy in my congregation approached me on a crisp autumn morning with curious eyes and hands on his hips. And he looked me up and down like this. And with both disdain and bewilderment, asked me, why do you always wear that? (laughs) What? I was caught off guard a little, totally not aware of what I had on. That he replied, looking at my clericals and my collar. Oh, this, this is my collar. It's, it's a part of my uniform. A uniform, he said. Like a police officer or a firefighter? Yeah, exactly. Like a police officer or a firefighter or a doctor or a soldier. Like that, kind of. You know how if there's a fire... You look for someone dressed like a firefighter? Well, if there's someone that needs to know that they are loved by God, you could look for someone dressed like me. For years, years, I was delighted by this encounter. A little kid asked me about my clerical garb, and I had an answer. I told him what it was. But looking back, I realize that what I should have done was tell him that firefighters aren't the only ones who can put out fires. And priests aren't the only ones who can tell others that they are beloved by God. Today's letter from Paul to the Ephesians is the Christian 411 on how to dress for success as a Christian. The armor of God, as this passage of scripture is often titled, has been long assumed militant propaganda. And truly, it has, past and present, been subverted as such. But I ask you this morning not to let the military language distract you from what is actually being said here. Armor, at its foundation, is about protecting something sacred. Its purpose is not violence or destruction, as one might presume, but rather a defensive recognition 
that evil exists beyond our belovedness. And this evil delights in destruction of truth and love. It feeds on the absence of peace and kindness. Now, I, like some of you, grew up in the Episcopal Church, and I could probably count on one hand the number of times I heard the word evil uttered from the pulpit. The devil, or Satan, were unknown mythical creatures that very rarely appeared in my Christian education curricula. Some of you who grew up in other traditions are saying, thank God. But I think that occasionally this truth disappoints us. It's like we're afraid that if we talk about it, it'll get us. But the reality of the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God is that they thrive in the shadows. Hate grows when it's not called out into the light. We fail to understand what evil really looks like in our world and often avoid the subject altogether. And before you know it, it's all over the news and in our social media platforms and spewn across our public discord. So today we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk a little bit about evil and we're going to have a little basic training on how to be an evil-fighting, Satan-sparring, Christian witness in the world today. First, lead with love. This alone will help you get it right about 95% of the time. If your first response to your neighbor is, I love you and God loves you, you won't be able to denigrate your neighbor or destroy creation or ignore the presence of God in your life. You won't be able to regard yourself as better than others, as if you are without blame or blemish. You won't be able to claim that you know everything and that your way is the only way. If you lead with love, you won't be able to dismiss the lived experiences of others or tell your children that competition is the best way to win. If you lead with love, you won't be able to live only for yourself alone, but also for him who died and rose for us. When you lead with love, many other Christian virtues will follow in the wake of that mighty stream. Next in our training, give unselfishly. The gospel does not promote hoarding earthly comforts while others go without. It asks that even if you only have a few loaves and a couple of fish, that you share it with those who hunger. 
We live lives of great abundance, a harvest so plentiful that truly there is enough for everyone as long as we are willing to share. Willing to get creative about distributing the riches of creation without claim on what is truly given by God. When we give unselfishly, we see that there is more than enough to go around. The next step in our Christian basic training is where most cadets drop out. Telling themselves, I can't do this, which is often translated, I am unwilling to do this. The next hurdle, that next climb, is witness. Be bold and unafraid to let your freak flag fly. Being a Christian is not always going to be popular. Our society tends not to reward peace-loving truth-tellers that believe that everyone is equal in the eyes of God and that our society should reflect this reality. In light of this truth, whenever you have the chance, stand up and speak out. Proclaim boldly. Tell the world that dignity belongs to all people, not just the people who look and think like you. And finally, the home stretch. Expect a miracle. Our entire Christian faith is based in the miracle of resurrection, the reality that God can make something out of nothing, that God can take something or someone and let them live again. The mystery of the gospel that Paul refers to in our epistle lesson today is that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. What a miraculous proclamation. God loves humanity so much that God became human to share in our suffering, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to God, and indeed to one another. God has shown us what true sacrifice looks like and has established forever the reality that life is greater than death, that good forever triumphs over evil, and that the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. We often avoid talking about the armor of God because it sounds just a little too militant. We rarely sing onward Christian soldier or stand up, stand up for Jesus because they arouse this ugly association with a crusader mentality. We don't talk like that anymore because it forces us to own the horrors done on our behalf by faithful followers who obliterated our brothers and sisters of Abraham in medieval times, 
who annihilated native peoples of this land in the name of discovery, who enslaved our siblings of color and who denigrate them still. We don't acknowledge the discomfort of the association because we prefer to focus on the nice, pretty parts instead. Instead of saying no, being a Christian soldier is not about destruction. It's about life. People can wear that uniform and do it wrong. Or they can clothe themselves with righteousness and show that this is about life. We stand up for Jesus and we press onward, not for ourselves, but for those whose society has left behind. We deny the military metaphor because we don't want to admit that we have something to defend, but we do. We do have something to defend. There's a lot of ugliness and violence in the world. Racism, extremism, sexism, the desecration of our planet, the separation of families, the denial of civic rights for the LGBTQ plus community, the wage gap, the political divide, the list goes on and on. Evil is out there. Evil is out there. And as Christians, as Christian people, our bounden duty is to call it out when we see it, and stand up in opposition to it. As the people of God, we are to pray and to speak and to put on the armor of God. Our belt is truth. Our breastplate is righteousness. Our shoes, well, some wear sandals and other stilettos, and honestly, the style doesn't matter. Your shoes are whatever make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. Our shield is our faith. Our helmet is salvation. And our sword is the word of God. As Phil pointed out last week, our gospel today reminds us that this teaching is difficult. The reality that we take Jesus in and then become the body of Christ in the world, that's a hard truth to live into. Asking God to give us life rather than assume that we can do that for ourselves it offends our postmodern sensibilities. Acknowledging that love and life are paramount in the midst of evil and death, honoring truth and peace by the way we live our lives, it's essential to our Christian vocation. It's a difficult way to live, but truly, 
It is God's intention for the faithful. So stand up and put on the armor of God. Dress yourself like who you are. Dress yourself with truth and righteousness, with peace and faith, with salvation and spirit. Clothe yourself in the spirit of God. Get up and dress like a Christian, like someone who knows that evil is out there, but that love, love always wins. That way, when someone out there in the world looks you up and down with hands on hips and asks you, why do you always wear that? You can respond with gospel confidence. I dress like this because someone out there needs to know that God loves them and that they can show love too everywhere they go. Amen.